This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Okay, we're going to jump straight into it. Um, and I called it the Alpha and the Omega because um, in the past few weeks, the, the Lord has given, um, given me some perspective um, that... He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. That's what it means, Alpha and Omega. Um, so everything starts with Him and everything ends with Him um, in eternity. And I want to read for, for us from Colossians 1, verse 13 to 20. It will be on the screen as well. And it says, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. We have redemption, which is the forgiveness of sins in Him being Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things and by Him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He might come to a first place in everything for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross whether things on earth and things on heaven and there's a lot in that scripture it's a really dense piece of scripture so I encourage you to go and sit with it on your own time I'm not going to go too much into that piece of scripture but it, it just sums up for me that christ is before all things everything in him holds together everything was created by him and everything is created for him and if we want to live our lives for god we have to understand that everything that we have everything that we have to give to god starts with him we have to understand that everything is by him and that everything is for him we have to understand that He created everything, us, the heavens and the earth, um, and that we're created for Him, for His glory. And obviously it just starts in the beginning in Genesis, in Genesis 1 verse 26. Um, well, the whole Genesis, the creation account, how He created the earth and the, and the heavens, and He created the waters and the plants and the, the animals and everything. But, but what we want to focus on today is that we are created by God. And we're created in His image. image. Genesis 1 verse 26 to 27. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God He created him. Male and female He created them. And from this we, we obviously know that here he created Adam and he created Eve as well. Um, and not only did he create them, but if we come to our lives, in Jeremiah 1 verse 5 it says, He formed you, he knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. He foreknew you in the womb. So I want to tell you today that if you walk away with anything here today, the starting place would be that God created you he knew you. He created you for a purpose. And He created you with identity. And that is for Him. He created you for Himself. Unfortunately, the fall happened after the creation account. 
um, later in Genesis. And from there, the rest of the Bible tells us the story of reconciliation towards God. Um, and from the Genesis, from the creation account, we know that God created um, us to know Him. He created us to enjoy Him. And He created us to be with Him. Um, and if we go from Genesis, I just want us to fast forward a little bit to, to Exodus. And here we, we see that God chooses um, Israel to be His people. Um, and He delivers them from Egypt. Um, after being in slavery for 400 years. So they, they're in slavery for 400 years. They are enslaved by the Egyptians. And God brings them out from Egypt. And he takes them. And, and, and I want us to pick up in uh, verse of chapter 19 of Exodus where they're at Mount Sinai. So they've just gotten to Mount Sinai. It's a short while after they're out of Egypt. I think it's three moons, which I think means three months. Um, that, they, that they've been out of Egypt. Now they come to Mount Sinai. And um, the first thing that Moses does, leading them there to Mount Sinai, they set up camp, and Moses goes up to the mountain. He goes up onto Mount Sinai to meet with God, to hear from God. And um, it's almost as if this is like one of the first places that they settle, and God wants to establish something to the people of Israel, to his people. Um, and he tells Moses here in Exodus 19, verse 4 to 6, he says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for the earth is mine, and you shall be to and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And this is this is what God tells Moses to go and tell the people of Israel and. Um, so he goes down and, 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 tells, and tells him this. But from Exodus, so God created man in his image, and he said after the creation of God, it's good. And we come to Exodus where God chooses Israel to be his people, and he says that I've created you, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You shall be my treasured possession among... Oh, I'm sorry. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples for the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation and when we look from exodus all the way through the old testament we see that god wants a people for himself he wants to call a people group for himself but part of being of those people is that he continually throughout the old testament commands them to cleanse themselves and to stay unstained from the world. Because this is part of being a holy nation, of partaking in, as God's holy nation, is being clean, being unstained from the world. And being a holy nation really means to be separated from the world for the purposes of God. And um, Psalm 24 summarizes, really, summarizes this really well for me. Um, from the beginning, um, Psalm 24, verse 1 to 6. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. And there again, it's just that reaffirmation that God created everything. He is the Alpha. He is the beginning. The Lord is the earth and the fullness thereof. 
and is established upon the seas, founded upon the seas and established upon the rivers. And then he asks, but who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. And here we see is that who, who are the people that God will choose? And it's from the scripture we can see that it's those that have clean hands and a pure heart. And I'm telling you, it's quite difficult in this world because of so much influence that social media, that the media in general has over our lives, um, trends that come in that we want to follow, things that we want to do. And oftentimes we as the church, we start to look like the world. But God says, if you want to be my people, if you want to be part of my holy nation, you need to separate yourselves. Not in the sense of take yourself out of the world. This is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying go and exile yourself on an island somewhere and just create a holy huddle. But separate in, in, in the sense of... Um, my character, the way that I do things, the way, that I, the way that I live my life. I want you to be clean. I want you to be unstained from the world. I don't want you to look like the world. I want you to look and represent me. I want you to look like Jesus Christ. I want you to look like I have created you to be. Because he created us in his image. And that's where the restoration and reconciliation process starts. Even from the Old Testament, God has been reconciling us to himself to look like Christ to come back to that original creation image that we are perfectly like God one day in heaven. And um, if we jump from the Old Testament now to the New Testament, we see the same thing constantly throughout the books. Um, we're warned against false teachers. We're warned against the, the passions of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the heart. Um, which are of the world, the corruption of the world. We're, we're, um, we're reminded of this in the New Testament. Um, and very much like God took people out of Exodus, uh, out of Egypt, and he took them in the Exodus into the promised land. So we, being part of the New Testament, obviously, after the Old Testament, we have the same thing. We have an Exodus from our sinful nature, from the nature of the world to a Christ-like nature in holiness. And this comes along with being part of God's people. That we are sinners and we are in need of a Savior. Romans 3 verse 23 to 24 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we all, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, we have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. We need God. And Praise the Lord that he sent Jesus Christ. Because we wouldn't have access to God. We wouldn't be able to be the people of God if he didn't send Jesus Christ. But thank the Lord that he sent Jesus Christ who made, who, who made a way for us, who tore the veil and made a way for us to get to Jesus Christ, to become one with God, to be reconciled with God. And now from this place that we, we, we know we're sinners and we need a Savior and we come to to Christ just as we are and we say Lord I am a sinner and I am in need of a savior I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart um, 
confess that, that you are Lord and I believe in my heart that you ra- that you're raised from the dead um, and I live my life now for you. I endure to the end. Um, we know that we are the people of God. And I want to go to the letters of Peter um, from here and, and I want us to, to know that, that Peter's writing to, to, to Gentiles, people of, who weren't Jewish, um, but that have come to come to Christ, they've come to salvation. And he's writing a letter to them um, to encourage them, but also to warn them against false teachers. And um, we pick up here in 1 Peter 2, verse 9 to 12, if you guys can find it. It's a lot of scripture. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And I think something that we do is a lot of times we stop there. We're very, we're very happy with being a chosen race. We're very happy with being a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a people for his possession. And it sounds very special. And we're happy to just stop there and say, ooh, you know, uh, we're, a, we're a holy nation. We're a chosen race. We're God's possession. We're, we're just special. But, but we, have to, we have to continue to read. And we're... we're we're his chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation and a people for his possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. If you've been called out of the darkness into his marvelous light by Christ, you cannot do it by yourself. Christ has to be there to help you to get there. Now you are a chosen race, but you have to proclaim his excellencies. That's why you are a holy nation. That's why you are a chosen race. That is why you are a people for his possession. Not to just be holy and special, but to proclaim his excellencies. It's it's a proclamation of what God has done in your life. And he goes further. He doesn't just stop there. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And the reason why we proclaim his excellencies is because... Yes, I'm so challenged with this, is that I'm so merciless i don't know i have so little mercy with people and then god comes and he reminds me how much of mercy he has had on me to save a sinner like me to bring someone like me from darkness into marvelous light and then i realize that i need to have way more mercy on the people around me to the people in this world because when we have mercy on people we proclaim his excellencies we give them an opportunity to step from darkness into light and then he goes even further and he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So he says to us, sorry, he says to us, be a chosen generation and a holy people. And, and, th- and this calls for a certain lifestyle. Um, he, he tells us that we're a people for his possession and that we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. But he also tells us that remember that you are temporary residents here on earth. This is not your eternal home. You are temporarily here. You're only passing through this life. So therefore abstain from the passions of the flesh. And I think a lot of times we... we we, we say this and 
you know, what, but, but I want to ask us the question is, what does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to, to live a separated life? What does it mean to, to, to be a chosen people for God? Um, and um, in 2 Peter, so we're jumping one book on, he, he writes to them and he says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So it's Christ's glory and goodness that gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. By His glory and His goodness, by these things, by these He has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. And if we stop there, we see again Peter telling the people, and, and, and God through Peter telling the people that keep yourself free from the passions of the flesh. Keep yourself clean from the corruption of this world. And the corruption of the world is there because of evil desires. So he's, he says that the world is a, is a difficult place, the world is an evil place, a corrupt place, but also your flesh is passionate and desires certain of these things. And then he says for this very reason. So to keep to partake in God's divine nature, which he says here, and to keep yourself, um, to escape from the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires, for this very reason. Make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. And here Peter is saying, I wrote to you the first letter, um, also saying many of the same things. So he says, you're a chosen race, you're a holy priesthood, all those things. But I really want you to get this. Christ is revealed to Peter in this time that he's going to pass away soon. So it's almost as if it's a goodbye letter from Peter to these churches, to these group of churches. Um, so one last time he's, he's, he's telling them, I really want you to get this. I really want you to understand this. So I'm not just going to tell you that you're a holy nation, that you need to abstain from the flesh, but I'm actually going to give you a little bit of a, a summary of how to do that. And this is for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. And I, I did a bit of a word study on, on this piece um, because it's, it's quite a lot, you know, Faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance. And it's so quick to, that you don't always, um, that you can't really grasp it immediately. And I did a word study in the Greek to it um, and took the definitions and I kind of put together uh, a summary of, of, of what it says here. Um, and I think it is on the next slide. Okay. Yeah, so that's my, that's my little summary that I put together that's, not from Scripture, it's, or it's from Scripture, but it's not in Scripture. Um, so it says, supplement your trust and belief in the resurrected Christ with moral excellence. And moral excellence with the Word of God that has become experience. Practice this knowledge having dominion within yourself, but not by yourself, so that you may be unswerving in your purpose and loyal to your faith. Do this with all reverence to God and brotherly love but love in a divine manner that God has given us. In this way, you will be useful and fruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So he says, with your trust and belief in, in, in Christ, set a high standard of moral excellence. 
Don't just go with the flow. Don't just flow down the stream in this world. But set a high standard of moral excellence. And not just any moral excellence, but moral excellence that is based on the word of God. And from this place of setting a moral standard that is based on the word of God, practice it. Practice it with self-control that you have dominion within yourself, but you understand that you need the Holy Spirit. You need Christ to to live this life in self-control. So that you may be unswerving in your purpose. So that you may be loyal to your faith. And do all of this in reverence to God and brotherly love, but love in a divine manner that God has given us. And in this way you will be useful and fruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then if we carry on from the scripture, um, he says godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love from verse 7. Then verse 8 says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly supplied to you. So, we've, we've taken and we've seen that God from beginning of time has created us to be His people. We've, he's created us to be His people and what that means is to be holy, to be separated, to be unstained from the world and, and that now that we have access to to being children of God, to being His people through Jesus Christ, um, we, we need to live a certain life. Um, and Peter even goes a bit further here by saying that, you know, represent, do these things, godliness, love, brotherly affection, self-control, knowledge, do all these things. Um, and, and if they're increasing, you'll be useful, you, you'll be useful and, and you'll be fruitful in this world. But there's so much more than just being in this world. It doesn't just stay here. God didn't create us to be His people only for here. He's created us to be His people for eternity. It's not just about us being here. Now it is. For the short time that we are in this world, we are to represent Him the best that we can. But what we want to get to is that we're going to be with Christ forever. That is why we need to do this. And he says this here um, from verse 10. Therefore, brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. Which is great. We won't stumble in this world. But then he goes further and says, For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will richly be supplied to you. Who, doesn't, who wants eternal life? Do these things not only for this life. Don't do these things not only to represent Christ faithfully, but do it so that in entry into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ will be supplied to you. So he says, yeah, share in the divine nature of God. Escape the corruption of this world. For the corruption of the world is there for evil desires. And supplement your faith with these things. That you may be fruitful. That you may be useful. That you may bear fruit. Um, and that you may see entry into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. And it's all summarized um, quite well for me if we go back to 1 Peter 1 verse 15. It says, but as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. 
So we're called to be holy for God. We're called to be His people, to be a chosen race here, but forever as well. We started with that He is the Alpha and the Omega, that He is the beginning and the end, and that He holds the keys to life and death in His hands. He's totally sovereign over everything. He created everything for Him, and that for eternity we may partake in His glory, so that we can represent Him here, we can proclaim His excellencies here, we can represent and reflect something of the nature of Christ here on earth, but that we can also glorify Him and partake in His glory forever. And I want us to read from Romans 11, verse 33 to 36. It says, Oh, the depth of riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and untraceable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has ever first given to Him and has to be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. So I think I've, I've really hammered on the fact that we, we're not only here for now, but that we're here for, that, that we, we don't, we're not only connected and reconciled to Christ for now, but for eternity. And what I want to get to is that we don't live our best life now. I think it's something that, that God's still busy revealing to to me specifically, but to, but to, to us as a, as a church, is that we, we cannot live our best life now. Because if we live our best life now, eternity is going to suck. That we need to represent God faithfully. We need to reflect something of His glory here. But that He's preparing us for eternity. And that while we are here, we need to proclaim His excellencies. And just to confirm that is Revelation 5, verse 8 to 11. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures, and the elders fell down before the Lamb, and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one had a harp and gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you redeemed people. For God, by your blood, from every tribe and language and people and nation, you made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on earth. He created us in the beginning to be a people for his possession on earth, but not only here on earth, but in heaven as well. And just um, as we, I just want to start closing off and if the ushers can maybe go and get the communion the elements of the communion so long and start passing them around. Um, I think um, I think what God really wants wants us to, to realize and to see today um, is, is that we, we need to live for eternity. That this that we, the life that we live now, things that we do on this earth, 
matter for eternity. And I think a lot of times we, we read scripture, we read the Bible, um, and, and, and we take it as a book that says nice things. Um, we listen to sermons and we worship on songs that, that say nice things and that affirm us as the people of God um, and things. But I think we would be a, a lot more serious if we, about what is preached what is worship, what we worship on, and what we read in Scripture if we realize that it affects eternity. If we realize that if these things are true, that, that this book says, that this Bible of ours says, is that God is coming back for a bride, not one that has spot or blemish, not one that is adulterous with the world, not one that is sleeping around with the world, but one that is pure. And I'm really trusting God that this will sink into our hearts, that God is coming back. God is coming back for a pure and a spotless bride. People that He has separated for Himself through Jesus Christ. But to be His people, we cannot go on living like the world. To be His people, we cannot go on living as if this is our best life. We cannot do our jobs as if this is the, if this is the, the, the end of it. This is the beginning and the end. To do our jobs, to build our lives, to get our house and our cars, to build our families. This is not the reason why we're alive. We're alive so that we may glorify God forever. And in 2 Peter 3, um, Peter's contending with, with some false teachers that have, that have challenged Christ coming back. They've challenged that, that God isn't necessarily coming back because they've been saying He's been coming back forever. And he's just not coming back. And Peter writes to them, 2 Peter 3, verse 10 to 15. And he says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness. As you wait and earnestly desire the coming of the day of God. The heavens will be on fire and be dissolved because of it. And the elements will melt with the heat. But based on his promise, we wait for the new heavens and a new earth where righteousness will dwell. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found at peace with him without spot or blemish. Also regard the patience of our Lord as an opportunity for salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you, according to the wisdom given to him. He says the day, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. It's clear what sort of people we should be in conduct and in holiness. And he says earnestly wait for and desire the coming day of God, the coming of the day of God. And make every effort to be found at peace with Him without spot or blemish. 
And if we can, how far is the communion? Do the people at the back still need? We still need Skinnerism here in front. If you guys can stand, we can all stand together, please. The band can come forward. As we are standing and uh, just waiting for the band and the communion and things, um, I really want to want to challenge us um, and to encourage us to go and um, to go and study um, Colossians one verse thirteen to twenty. And I just want to read it to us again with that perspective that that we are called to be God's people. He's brought us out of darkness into light. To live a life now that represents Him, that is holy, that is separated, that people might be saved, that people might see the glory of Christ in us, but also that we are for eternity, that we may glorify God forever and ever and ever. Colossians 1. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins in Him. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things and by Him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to a first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on heaven or things on earth. So Christ offers his life so that we may receive life and not hell, that we may be with him and not internal damnation forever so that we may be his people god is focused on eternal salvation not only the now so our best life shouldn't be now but rather in eternity but we have a duty here to represent him in this world and make his praises known to the world and this requires that we live holy lives basically what it sums up is that love the Lord your God with everything that you have and love your neighbor in that same manner and not only for this in mind not only for this life in mind not only for the temporary um, salvation in this, on this earth but for eternal salvation love God with eternity in mind love your neighbor with eternity in mind because God's plan is for us to be His people forever, not only now. And um, before 
before we take communion, I just want to, it's not, it won't be on the screen, but I want us to read uh, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 28. It says, so a man should examine himself. In this way, he should eat the bread and drink from the cup. And, and further on, it talks about taking communion in, in a worthy manner. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.